Hey, Janira. Hey guys. <laughs> Hi, Janira. You're back. I think this is your third or fourth time on the Variate Podcast. My, it's my third time. It's amazing to be back. Yeah. I wish we could do, be doing this in person, but I think even despite what it feels like, I think we're still under quarantine. No one's talking about that anymore, but... Yeah, the uh, the the news has shifted to other things, but yeah, we are still under quarantine, unfortunately. Yeah, it's uh, we I hit you up probably like three weeks ago or something, and you were like, "Hey, I I'm just in the middle of some stuff. Um, it's best to talk to you like early June." And I'm like, "Sure, no problem." And then so much has happened in that time, um, yeah. where it's probably going to change the conversation we're going to have, but for the better in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. How have you been? How have you been doing? How has the the work that you've been doing shifted, and what it, what's what has been going on in your world? I'm in the midst of a big, big evolution in my work. I mean, it's it's this whole year really has been pushing me into some sort of uh, different scope of work. I'm noticing that uh, I'm just doing more group work and less one-on-one, you know, I do my life coaching stuff. Um, But like when the year started, I was just in a fog, really kind of creatively uninspired, stuck, which is a frustrating place to start off the year because most people I would say, I'm gonna bet on, wanna start with like that, Mm -hmm. you know, gung-ho energy. Yeah, and I like was ready to start that way too. And I was, that's not where I was. But then I I went through a lot of deep shadow work, did a lot of personal stuff, and I came out of it just as uh, the pandemic was beginning. It was still in China, and I had so much creative fire and energy, and then this thing came in, and it shifted my work. And I I created this group to help people deal with, like, the chaos and, uh, you know, all the stress of it, and then my work just seems to keep going in that direction with talks and other things that I'm building. Mm. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm following, I'm following what feels right and true, even though it's not exactly what I planned. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's what the 2020 is asking of us is, is to keep uh, not attaching to what we thought things were supposed to be. And, you know, 2020 just seems like this epic number, this epic year, you know, that you're supposed to have a certain feeling about it. And, I my experience was a lot of people seemed a little aimless like not sure how to like live up to what 2020 was could be and I think that's because 2020 has other plans for us and mm-hmm. and we're kind of um as you know in a in a more responsive place right now exactly and, and that's um especially with the work that you do is very important to um know how to slow down and respond appropriately i think that's that's what i was thinking is like as much of a relief it's as it's been for people i think anxieties and stuff that maybe uh workaholism staves off a little bit is is rushing up to the surface for people and a lot of people don't have practices besides going to work and besides Mm -hmm. uh you know just being so exhausted that they just pass out every night and now all of a sudden they're in a different flow and um, I'm noticing for us at least, we're, we're relying on our practices more than ever and we're anxious to build out more to deal with just the vibe changing. Yeah, yeah, our nervous systems are like getting worked to the max. So exactly what you said, we need practices. And, and I don't consider work unless you're consciously like engaging with your work. <laughs> A practice. I don't know. I just want to say that. Uh, you said most people, that's the only thing they have. I would say that most people, that's the only ritual they have. Yeah. You know, they get up a certain time, go in there for a certain amount of time, leave. But is, is there consciousness in how they're really engaging? Is it feeding them? Are they just like efforting um, and using a lot of like energy to power through? I think that's like the system that... Uh, that we're like we're all part of that's what it teaches us to do so I would not call it a practice (laughs) for most people um but yeah that's exactly where my work has taken me and like I created this group to teach people tools and practices to engage with transition and change and 
to engage with their bodies and their nervous systems so they could like learn to deal with yeah i mean this year has thrown some huge stuff our way but also all the normal things life throw throws our way breakups job transitions death um you know whatever else um might happen in your life because we need it we need it for times like this especially yeah so. i mean i think that's why um i was like we need to talk to janira like we're kind of entering this new world of having doing the visual podcast and of course wanted to reconnect for you with you for that reason but also wanting to reconnect because i think people are feeling a lot of um fear you know and um i mean we're talking two months ago fear fear around the uh, pandemic and about getting sick and about getting their family sick and and i think what you're really good at and what you have been really good about is um, what's even more timely with with the conversations we're having now is about being able to have these difficult conversations with yourself and to work through things that like trigger all that fear within you. Um, and how how has that been navigating for you? And how are you seeing people respond? And what is what is the work right now to to kind of like slow down and and respond when you're triggered and whether it's fear or yeah. yeah. I have to admit at the beginning of this pandemic, besides being like frustrated because it was just taking things off course, uh, off course for me, like I had plans to do some like in-person events and workshops and stuff like that. Um, besides that, like I actually felt energetically fine. Like I saw everybody going into anxiety, panic, buying the toilet paper, the this, the that, the food. And to be honest, I had been slowly preparing. Like, I was like, I don't know that it's really gonna hit us that hard, but you know, let me like stock my freezer. Like every time I go to supermarket, let me buy a little little more. But anyway, I've been like just feeling really calm about the whole thing for for like the first couple of weeks, especially when things were in the beginning at their peak of fear. Um, I, I felt like, oh, I got this. I don't know. I, I'm not scared of death. I'm not scared of going hungry or, you know, I just had this like deep feeling in my body, like things were going to be okay. And what I realized in talking to a, to a couple of other friends is like, sure, I've got a lot of practices and tools that help equip me for, for dealing with difficult um, times. But also I just come from like a background of a lot of trauma and like a lot of um like you know uh, things being unexpectedly thrown my way so something like this I was just kind of like well you know it's a different form but uh I can handle it I feel I felt pretty resilient and then uh then I started to go into some fear spirals a little bit later on like as this thing seemed to, when we really started having lockdowns here in New York and um, I, I kept thinking, and I didn't see people out on the streets and it was so strangely quiet. And I was like, this just feels so abnormal. Um, and I started to go into some fearful fantasies of like people just starving in their homes and then like, I don't even want to get into the darkness of what I was imagining, but I really thought that like there was going to be chaos, that people were going to revolt, um, food shortages, things like that. And so I started having like what I rarely experienced, which was like anxiety. And and that's when I like doubled down on everything that I do. In fact, like my, I have regular practices I do nearly every day, like writing, sitting meditation those are mostly writing is like the tool that i use most for release different forms of writing whether it's free writing or writing out like resentments or fears or whatever there's different like inventories i have but when the anxiety started it was so intense in my body like it was hard to shut down my mind there was just constant like tightness and pressure and buzzing and not in the pleasurable way I started to do like you know you could be buzzing with like excitement and joy and like no it was like turn this thing off this engine like please like it stop and um I started to do pull out some other tools from the from the box and it was a lot of um 
like physical, somatic, em emotional release tools, like so much movement, so much screaming into pillows, hitting things. And then a lot of inner child's work, just like comforting that scared child inside mm -hmm. of me. Mm -hmm. Those were revolutionary for like resetting my nervous mm -hmm. system. And then, yeah, that lasted about like a week um, of like the intensity for myself. Um, I also like had to do some stuff with energetic boundaries because I realized that I was like also just like so I'm so sensitive and I was like tapping into um, the collective energy around me, you know, mm -hmm. like I had kind of like been distant from it, but then somehow I started to let it in. I, I was watching and reading way too much stuff. I'll admit that, especially on social media. So anyway, long story short, it, I've had like different um, waves uh, with it. And, and I, once I got out of like that anxiety, I kind of regrounded, found my center, started creating some, some cool new offerings and then boom, this like this whole new thing um, came out of left field, which is obviously not a whole new thing with the Black Lives Matter and civil rights movement, but like in this way, yeah. in this large scale way. Um, so I just have to keep like adjusting. And, and if I'm honest, this one has hit me way harder than the pandemic just mm. because it, it feels a lot more personal. Mm -hmm. Well. well, I think that's the thing about the pandemic for me that wasn't so hard was like, well, this isn't this isn't about me. Everybody's going through the same thing right now. Like everybody's losing their job. Everyone's going broke. When we're doing it collectively, it's it feels a little less isolating. But mm -hmm. now this new wave in the wake of George Floyd's death uh, is really, I think, bringing up all kinds of new anxieties because for the pandemic it's about like protecting your body and everybody's like in solidarity like let's all protect our body and protect old people and with this it's like now you're like what are you protecting people are scared to say the wrong thing people are scared to speak yeah. out and it's yeah. um i'm seeing like at least from our friends in the spiritual community just like just fucking total failure to Mm. just emote anything or transmute anything that could be helpful because I think they're caught in white guilt. So mm. this wave is, uh, it's a crazier one in a way because it's, it's also, it, it's so fraught with separation. It's, you right. know, I, I feel like the difference is like the pandemic brought up for me anyway, so much stuff around like, um, like existential fears, you know, like, life and death and i was like i'm pretty healthy i have a huge like background in holistic nutrition like i have all the <laughs> like i can guard myself I'm, I'm young i like i have a i felt good i didn't fear death and i knew friends that like were going through a little bit more fear because of their own personal um health status and then obviously you know older people and, and like the higher risk but this since the george floyd um murder let's call it what it is mm -hmm. uh, that's my opinion um i think what it's bringing up you said white guilt and it's so much more about our identity yeah like mm. oh i thought i was a good person yeah. and now like you get smacked in the face like oh this is all the stuff that you've been ignoring and, and it's just like who am i and how could i have allowed this and like even for me as a, as a person of color like i I'm waking up to a lot of the pain um, and the suffering that I've buried mm. that I just like didn't want to admit, uh, you know, had an impact on me, any of this racial stuff. Mm. Like I disconnected from for so long and I'm really feeling that rising up very deeply from, mm. from deep within. Yeah. Are you, um, so. so are you able, like you are taking care of yourself? I. I hope, and your partner's taking care of you, but it's it's bringing up a lot within your, I mean, you specialize especially in, in relationship, and right. um, are you are you finding that this is triggering any parts of that relationship with Emmett, or how mm. is it, um, like, in, mm. in context? You know, so just for people who don't know, like, my partner is white, and I'm, I'm Hispanic, Latina, um, Dominican back, uh, origin, but born here, first generation. Um, and 
I can answer, you know, I can answer that. And it's more like, it's not bringing up so much within our relationship. He's, he's amazing. Yeah. At, like <laughs> he just, he, he just does this work. He's very much like, uh, emotionally in tune, spiritually as well. And like, we can have these tough, difficult conversations and he can really hold space for me. Plus he gets it. Like I've actually not felt, um, like, of course he doesn't get it on a personal level from experience, but like his system is big enough so that he can actually like feel it and get it beyond an intellectual level, I think, from how I experience him. The only thing that's come up in our relationship is like so much of my own, um, besides so many other emotions, so much of my own resentment toward white privilege is coming up mm. like really intensely. And, and I've had this for a long time. I just like didn't, again, want to feel it, you know, since I was like a kid and I went to, a, I did this little exchange program with a school in Massachusetts for, for a week. And I was like, what the hell? Like it was a public school. And I was like, this is what they have. Like, and this is how their education is. I was in those classrooms just hearing the type of uh, discussions they were having. And anyway, um, and I remember just feeling like, why don't we have this? And, and starting to really question a lot of stuff. Um, but anyway, so a lot of that is coming up. Like, um, and it's not toward him specifically, but like, he's he's part of it. He grew up in the suburbs. He, ha he went to a really good school. He is extremely intelligent. And I've always had this feeling like I would be so much more intelligent um, in, in a certain way, academically if I had access to the same stuff, right? right? If I, and so just that's like come in and um, I'm, I'm, I've not, thankfully, like I've not put it on to him, but yeah. I like look at him in this way. I'm like, you are so much luckier. You've been so much luckier than I, mm -hmm. than I've been in your life. Um, and that's really, that's mostly the, the way that it's come up. I mean, we've had conversations as well, or just since the fall, really, um, around how race impacts our, our relationship, because we saw a play that was all about that uh, mm. called Slave Play in, um, in November, which just like cracked me open in a pretty sharp and painful way, I have to say, because that was when like the, the uh, veil kind of, or the really the armor that I had around feeling this this stuff around race got got cracked but anyway wow. uh, we've had conversations. by a play by a play have you heard of slave play no mm -hmm. um i just wrote the the um playwright and asked if he would like screen it or do something because i feel like it's so so relevant to what's happening right now with black lives matter um but i i, I can't say too much about it without yeah. giving it away because it's a play where you go in, you're watching certain scenes unfold that have to do with slavery and, and you think that the play is about one thing and then all of a sudden it shifts into this whole other, it's like a play within a play, it shifts into this whole other reality. Um, and essentially it's about in, like race dynamics in, um, in what's the word? I'm not, mixed race relationships. Mm -hmm. There's another word for it, but. Uh, there were three couples in that play that were exploring that together. And I just saw myself reflected in so many of the characters, particularly this one character, this black man who was just like, uh, I've always just been this good looking black man. Like I, I I've never considered myself, um, a, uh, black even like, I've never looked at my race. I've never considered myself other or anything. And he yeah. like starts to wake up to how his blackness has impacted his life all throughout and he's just had blinders on and I was like that's that's me you mm -hmm. know and there's there was so much more um that came up in that play I could go on and on that's powerful because I think uh we assume that people of color is just like unavoidable that they're that they have to be focused on their race all the time because society is so focused on it so to hear stories like that, you're like, oh, wow, there's a awakening that needs to happen on a lot of levels, you know? I, th I think yeah. that seems to be what is happening right now is that it's like a collective awakening, but it's, I mean, there's so many things right now because the insanity felt like 
part of me, kind of like with the pandemic, or there's part of you that becomes calm because for a lot of it, when you see, can you, I know that we've all been able to see how racist our country is and how backwards and how fucked up the system is. And, and it feels like you're fucking going crazy because everyone's like, cool, you know, like everyone's like, let's just be normal and status quo. And then, and then George Floyd's death, especially amongst like everyone having um, uninterrupted vision of what's going on and uninterrupted attention, we're able to get to this place where we're like, oh, that's, that's really like collectively now we're all rising up and being like, we're not standing for this. And that's where it's like, oh, thank God, you know, thank God that the tragedy of um, different school districts being funded differently and being so separate is, is like being called into question because it, it hurts everyone. Like it hurt me, it hurt Emmett. Not that this is about us, but it hurts people not being in a diverse community. You know, mm-hmm. his intelligence, my intelligence, my capacity for compassion, my capacity for understanding about race relations, my capacity for understanding about what's going on in the world is harmed by a lack of diversity, you know? Right. So um, it's not about that, but I'm just, it just looking at the collective, it's this tragedy is now like being brought to the light and we're able to like re- rewrite our reality to something better and fight for Mm -hmm. a better reality and and um fight for justice and equality and 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 like where it's like the number one priority where it always should have been and we were all kind of fooling ourselves Mm -hmm. um to not be looking at that because it's it's the foundation upon which every interaction is is like based on you know in a way that Mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy that white people people of color black people even like we're so in the water of racism and a racist system that you don't really think about it in the way that it's it's a privilege. You're to like, not wow, I learned to breathe underwater. This is not right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that, that that's kind of what it feels like. And mm-hmm. this is a, this is a big moment of reckoning across the board. And it, what 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 warms my heart is seeing the masses, the massive amount of people coming out of sequestration to to grow a better garden together and across the board because i will criticize white liberals up and down because they co-opt movements and they water them down and that's that's counterinsurgency when you water down a movement like this so i'll criticize them up and down but i will say this they're trying to do good right now it seems like we're in a moment where um even white liberals are like all right my ears are open tell me about this abolition thing that I used to write you off about, but now is, is on the news. Mm. So it, that, that warms my heart. It feels like there's a real opportunity here, but, but even more than the collective, which there's not much we can do about, we can Mm. do that for ourselves, you know, take care of ourselves, realize who we are, what we're all about, how we want to function in this new society. And like what we're talking to you about, the practices that it takes, the discipline that it takes, the mindfulness that it takes to become that person and having intention about it and doing the practices. I always think of the, your, like you mentioned, your writing things. Cass does that all the time. The fear inventories, mm-hmm. this shit just keeps energy moving like exactly. to a point where like we've been scared of the magic that we've opened up with that. Like we've like, whoa, we, call it, we have this one thing called the 111 portal. On January 11th, we kind of do that with a group of people. And it's mm. so, it moves energy so much that you start to see all these synchronicities and magic in your world around 111 and the burning mm. of fears. And that can be a daily thing. And that can be a daily reminder when those numbers come up. I know that sounds silly, but. No, it feels so. No, it doesn't <laughs> sound silly. <laughs> I've been seeing 111 and 1111 11, 11 so much the past few days. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's not silly at all. And I think that's that's the what I'm seeing with people who are having a, maybe a, a more difficult time. It's like, oh, you're supposed to be uncomfortable right now. Yeah. Like, this is not supposed to be comfortable for you. You're not supposed to feel good about yourself. Like, it's okay to not feel good about yourself all the right. time and to think you're amazing and that you're doing everything right. Like, if you mm. want to live in that reality, like, you have, like, the bigger, darker shadow because it's just not mm. true. Like, we're all so interconnected that this idea of like being good is so disconnected from the reality of everything that you participate in Mm -hmm. one thing i want to go back 
and and point out though, right, Sean, you said like, you, you think it's so great. So many people are, are waking up and they are wanting to do good things. And I, I see that. And there's this like cautious pessim pessimism in me where I'm like, I don't know. Cause a lot of it feels like it's happening from like a reactive place mm -hmm. rather than like a deeply embodied place. Mm -hmm. um, it feels like there's a rush to make it right. And I know that when, when I've even done it, when, when any of us do it, rush toward our own healing, trying to fix something, what we do is like, we actually just stay on the surface with the thing. We like band-aid it. And so I know a lot of people are like donating and reading books and, you know, protesting and, and calling certain numbers, petitioning, whatever. That's all, that's all so helpful and so necessary, good work. But there's like this, this feeling that I can't, help but get with so many so much of it that it's it's because it's coming from a reactive place it's not it like you're burning through energy so quickly as well that it's not the, like going to fuel the long-term change that we need which mm -hmm. is why going back to this idea of like practices if you can slow down and be with that discomfort and be with like the the reflection that oh maybe i'm not the person that i thought i was like oh this doesn't feel great you can actually slow down enough to like sustainably move through this thing and see like, what is your part to do? What is like, how can you best contribute rather than just like hopping on this bandwagon and like checking off the checklist? And I think that's like the real work that's needed for, for all of us. Oh Black, yeah. Brown, white, whatever. It, and it's, and it's, we talk about this all the time. This is even the protest. This is thoughts and prayers. The real difficult right. thing is having the discipline to stabilize this energy and turn it into some a, a real movement where we can get things done. And that takes a lot of organizing and it's not that sexy and it's not really anything to post about on social media or nothing that's gonna end up in the news. It's in the nitty gritty, but it's in sustaining this energy and working mm -hmm. with it. That takes a lot of discipline. A lot of people aren't interested in doing that. They're like you said, they're they're here to check the box. Like, cool, everyone thinks I'm a good person. I donated, I did the thing, I made the post, I did everything, right? Cool. I wanna just get back to eating brunch and peace and not have to fucking think about injustice. And and so, feel like I'm a good person again. Not just everybody thinks I'm a good person, but I wanna feel like I'm a good person yeah, totally as well. Yeah. But maybe this is the time to realize like we are all scum. <laughs> and we need to do better. I, I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't take it that far, but it's like, there's just like layers yeah. to, you know, the situation and to ourselves. And we got to be willing to look at like, this is all just the, sh the collective shadow coming up. And now we're looking at our individual, you know, part in that mm -hmm. shadow. And we have to reckon with it or band-aid it, make, make believe that we've really done the work. Yeah. That's, the, that's the opportunity. There, I mean, Sean says this thoughts and prayers thing, and I've been thinking lately, I mean, seeing the force of this many people out on the streets, though, has made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it is what is is um, taking it to the next level. Um, Absolutely. Because we are seeing real change happening, and, and, and people, and it's kind of like this perfect, do you, like, do you think it's divine intervention that this is all happening right now? This is a God year, okay? Like we, we humans thought we were in control. We could plan everything. We had this like sense of normalcy and safety. Now God this year was like, fuck that bitches. I'm gonna show you who's boss. I'm gonna disrupt your whole reality. Like, and I'm gonna make you surrender. Right. Like that's, that's what it feels like to me. Is there, um, from your experience, like a trick to graceful surrender, you know? Um, <laughs> like, is there a way to surrender gracefully? It always just seems so um like how do you, i mean i think yeah. i think this is a very psychedelic year too you know and that's yes. why i think that people who have had psychedelic experiences may be able to like hold their ground a little bit more because they realize that there's no ground to hold and you just gotta like yes. lift your feet and keep flowing <laughs> Um, 2020 didn't seem like a year, at least the way everyone around us was building it up, where you were going to have to be relinquishing and surrendering and purging and relinquishing and surrendering and purging. It did not feel like that kind of year. It felt like a lot of people were like, this is the year where I fucking get mine. Right. My yeah, shit is right. going to pop off. 
And it's so funny how many people's shit has just been rendered fucking completely obsolete by this. And it just puts you in that process, like, get down with this fucking relinquishing. Right. But how, yeah, right. like Cass is saying, like, how do you do that gracefully if you're not used to it through maybe psychedelics or whatever? Right, right. It's funny, I had a conversation with a friend about that at the beginning of this year, or actually like in, in February or March when I finally came out of my heavier kind of stuck, foggy period. I was in this fog from like December through early February. And I have a history of fighting going all the way down. Like I can feel like the universe, God, whatever wants to take me down into the basement and I'm like, no, I have other plans. I have other desires. I'm, you know, like things are so good. Why do I have to go down? Um, and I, I definitely tend to fight it. I'm getting better at like fighting for shorter amounts of time. How about that? Um, and giving up the struggle. But um, the reason I'm mentioning this is because like we we can gracefully surrender, but I think it's only when we've like experienced enough pain trying to resist that mm -hmm. we actually learn how to let go and surrender. Like I've, I've, had, I've had enough of these periods of like being pulled to go down into, you know, usually for me, it's like some sad place, grief, you know, semi-depression, I don't, you know, I, I don't like, Tech, call it that technically but like that kind of energy and every time that I've gone into it like when I finally allowed it and stopped fighting it's like this energy just washes through me you know all the tears come all the whatever things I have to deal with come up the memories or situations that I've been avoiding like oh they surface and I get to face them and work with them and then whew, I find like my oxygen mask in that I find this like box like full of power and, and I come out on the other side so so much like stronger not just stronger but like usually more creatively inspired and energized and all this stuff and so anyway like I think uh we have to have like a like I can tell anybody this you can be listening to this and be like oh that sounds nice but when you're like in that spot of being pulled down uh you're probably, unless you've had many rounds of this, still gonna fight it. And the work is to try to like, as soon as you can catch yourself, um, it like in the midst of the struggle, like allow yourself to feel how much energy it takes for you to struggle, how much energy and pain it causes for you to try to fight this thing. Feel that all the way. Try to remember the thing that I just said, like, oh, if I just let myself go down, I'm gonna, it's gonna be so much better and then willingly like willingly willingly let go and do whatever is being asked of you if that's like be on a puddle on the floor just sobbing great if that's like taking a couple days off great like whatever it is um yeah I, I, that, you know so it's not like grace as graceful yeah, as i'd like to make it sound but that's the most graceful way that i've been able to experience it is like feeling that that the pain of the resistance and then choosing yeah what do i want to do it like kind of um re um it kind of uh makes it more even more clear that there's not one prescription for every person you know we don't all collectively have the same prescription for how we um navigate time and space and how to show up but like i think what you said was really powerful before is like coming from a place of uh true um, desire of wanting a better reality, not a performative allyship, I think, which is a big conversation right now. Um, and I, I've been finding lately that like by praying for, and I feel like I can talk openly with you about this and I don't know if I'd talk openly with everyone about this, but mm. by like, um, praying for clarity on how I can best serve humanity right now and my brothers and sisters and especially, um, my black brothers and sisters is like I'm seeing like right in front of me opportunities arise you know what I mean or friends that I'm connecting with who maybe we hadn't talked in a little bit like they're the opportunity for mm. you to be a better person is there and I think if mm. we all like ask for that you know and and it's we will find that it, it continues to like show up and we just have to I don't have the answer for what you should do obviously and I barely have the answer for what I should do but I have 
been recognizing that through like conscious intention and prayer and, and, and desire work, like, like you've taught me so well is that, you know, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, they're okay. Hi. Yeah. You pray for clarity. And then like, as great as it is to give to organizations, it's like, we have uh, black friends, very specifically this one black friend who's like in the struggle right now and she needs mm-hmm. help. And Cass is like, well, I can give her money. Like, mm-hmm. just like, let's just get fucking simple about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that's like, that's for everyone to explore on their own. But these are ways that we can start to make things a little bit better in our circle, in our community, it's like, hey, there's struggle in your community. Instead of being so concerned about the world's problems and this country's problems and the state of New York's problems, what about the, the problems of your community that you're a part That's of? Right. And then there's people in our community that are having a fucking tough time. So Cass is so good about touching base with people and checking mm-hmm. in and making sure everyone's cool. And then they feel open with us because they trust her. Mm-hmm. And they'll That's tell us amazing. when... Yeah, when when someone's having an issue, like lately I've noticed like uh, people will turn to us in a way, and I think that's really cool. Well, what I'm loving uh, learning about this whole thing and where I feel like I'm also learning a lot and so grateful that this is like the top of everyone's mind and it's the top of everyone's Instagram feed because I'm understanding the police better. I'm understanding the um, efforts to defund them. Um, Sean's been talking about abolition for years, and I'm like, yeah, abolition, and then uh, like, I'm really getting it now, and I think that... Um, I always said it was a spiritual practice for me. And also mm. what I'm loving about this whole uh, whole process of, of like... Um, the the like self-reflection too and how to show up better is like realizing that there is no other side to this you know this is like an endless fight and for freedom and humanity and um that's what the bandwagon people are in for the rude awakening is like Mm. democracy (laughs) is not something like you achieve and then fucking relax it is it's an ongoing fight it's an expansion of equality and justice and rights right. for people. Right. And so yeah. it, and these, these fights aren't going to end. And it doesn't end with, with defunding and abolishing the police. It ends with abolishing capitalism and the class system and this level of inequality, the likes of word, which the world has never known. So mm. we, we got to get right with ourselves spiritually on the big level. But I think like what we're trying to talk about and now put into practice is like, on the hyper local level like how are you doing how are you taking care of your body how's your community doing yeah i love i love two things that you guys have pointed to and just this last point about um like this is (laughs) this is not like a some temporary thing right for the bandwagon people this is a long term you use the word fight i'll call it process (laughs) um just like healing like, just like, yeah. heal, like you don't do one ayahuasca ceremony and it's like, I am healed. You know, mm-hmm. you don't go to church once or pray once or whatever your healing practices are. You just don't, like, you don't check off five things. It's an ongoing thing, an ongoing process. So, you know, there, there's a direct connection to that. And, you know, the other thing that came up uh, around that was like this phrase that I hear a lot from my teachers it's how you do anything is how you do everything yeah and so it's like the people that are acting in that way as if it's like just something that they can you know quickly resolve with like whatever number of steps they're trying to resolve it with it's like you might want to look at where else that shows up in your life how you treat yourself how you treat your own evolution like do you just try to uh rush through it or, or check off a list right and to try to get it over with essentially and, mm. and what I think that points to is like a, a discomfort with the process of like the constant shedding the constant like new skin growing like the mm-hmm. whole the whole thing um that was one uh, that, uh I lost the other thought but, well, but you, that, that, that really stood out you started talking about self-love and I think that's where um you know pretty much every white person has someone racist in their family. You know what I mean? And, and I think we also have learned, I mean, we're all, I'm not saying that I'm not, I don't have, you're talking about the outright, like doesn't even hide it. Yeah. And then, and what you realize is that, is that like, of course those people need to be called out and everything. But I think what people have, if I'm talking in large generalizations, what you come to recognize is the people with the most hatred in their heart also have the most self-loathing. 
mm-hmm. and that there's like kind of a direct correlation between anger towards someone else having done something to you or being against you or you need to you're better than them is like really there's like this disconnection from your divine soul that allows you to see the sacredness in someone else and that's absolutely kind of what I think like especially your your work and and getting people um feeling their divine power and connecting with their source and their love and and their self-care is like um so powerful and i i want to see it in like a i want you to like spray your fucking power (laughs) juice like out to the whole world you know i wish we could just like get a like a little tincture or something you know yeah i I definitely want to grow it massive you know into a massive movement it's so important but it's true it's true what you said like the people with the most hate have the most self-loathing i mean i have experienced this myself like if i'm negatively you know talking i'm talking to someone negatively talking them down like i've even done this in my own relationship where it's like my partner is stuck or frustrated or down and like i've been uncomfortable and like just have shamed him or have tried to fix him what does that reflect to me about myself my own behaviors oh i i do that to myself i mean it's been something i've been working on in the last couple years but just as a as an example Mm. to relate back to my own experience it's like absolutely all of this connects directly back to our relationship with ourselves so it's like how can we yes make things call out our racist uh and it's not just white people, by the way. <laughs> yeah. White, that have racist family members. I can tell you, like, as a Dominican, I have... Like, there's so much racism in, like, uh, the Caribbean islands. And it's, it's a really terrible thing because we're basically racist against ourselves. But yes, how can we call them out and also have a deeper understanding of where that hate is coming from and perhaps actually get into a, a different kind of conversation Hmm. have you know like we can we can fight them against it try to throw some stats at them try to like force them into love which i don't know has that ever really worked forcing somebody into love or we can have like a much more vulnerable perhaps slower conversation um with these people i think part of it is is um really trying to create space in your own heart to impart on people that are maybe the worst bigots you know that it's not their fault like like i'm not good at communicating this but it's something i want (laughs) to get better at is is it's it's not their fault that they've they've come up in a society in a world that really there's nothing to hinge your hopes on there's nothing to in your future there is no future you know what it is and it's bleak and it's dismal and that's for everyone and in the lower classes so what you start to do is to look back in history about something you could be proud of you dig around and you dig around and you dig around and of course some white supremacist some racist some bigoted thing is going to get its hooks in you something that you can hang your identity on and be proud mm-hmm. of because there ain't nothing here to be proud of if, uh, you know, if, if, quite frankly, for white people. What the fuck? What's there to be proud of? You know, there, there is no future. I, I've been sold out. And so just to, just to create that space where, hey, it's not your fault. We've been pitted against each other in every way possible. You know, when, when we don't have a foreign enemy, which we really stopped having the great foreign enemy when the soviet union collapsed in 1989 mm-hmm. we didn't have that red scare we didn't have that other to make to scare the shit out of everyone so our media started to turn us on each other and it was a very right. deliberate process and we started getting divided up left and right and then more nuanced from there where uh, i don't know how you could get anyone on the same page anymore and then a moment well, like this happens this exactly. this almost ayahuasca-esque psychedelic thing where you're like what could happen next what could happen next like when you're taking ayahuasca and you're going to these further and further dimensions into the shadow you're like where else could we go pandemic what the hell police riots nationwide police riots um, are you fucking serious what next what aliens oh my god so you know it, which did happen are. this year right yeah, yeah. <laughs> here we are i mean just just i think that's just gives you a little sense of like i think 
at least what I notice in my extended family, the racists just have had nothing to work with in terms of their future. So they go to the past and it's usually a nasty, toxic process. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like, Janira, one of the things that you've taught me is like the importance of kind of excavating shame, you know? Yes. And um, I think that work right now is particularly important of for everyone, um, but it's probably not very comfortable and (laughs) but there is value in it right like of talking about the things that you that are you're ashamed of or you're embarrassed by like what happens when you release all that or or share that because it feels like an icky topic but there's good that comes out of it right Mm. i mean like brene brown's like the antidote uh what did she say the the antidote to shame is me too and it's like you hear the words, me too. You know you're not the only one who has this thought, this experience, this belief, whatever the thing is that you're ashamed of or something similar, right? Like it starts to heal just knowing you're not alone in that and you're not carrying the burden of that secret inside of your own body for no one to find out. Because when we're carrying something around like that, we are unconsciously, constantly defending uh, ourselves, you know, against anybody seeing that. So we act out from all these patterns and unconscious behaviors that just create more and more separation anyway. So we allow ourselves to see, to speak the shameful truths. And then we, we start to like dissolve the disconnection, start to heal that self-hatred, start to just heal on a massive level. I mean, last, last week I had a conversation. I had this fiery conversation series that I'm hosting, uh, and I, it, the topic was about race in sex and relationships, how it has an impact. And I, I shared my own experience, which is very varied, like pedestalizing and, and looking at, you know, at, at white men as, as better than, but also feeling inferior and, you know, just, all, you know, feeling cast out and, and from my own people because of, you know, my education and my interest and the 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 talk was very uh, varied in in terms of different things that I spoke about uh, fetishization that was a big one being fetishized and anyway I got to speak about my experience that's that's how I've been doing these talks but then I opened up the floor for other uh, women who were on this call to share and it was women of all colors all races all identities on this call sharing things that they had never said out loud Mm. and you could just like about ways that they've like interacted with uh with race in their sex and relationships and and the way that it's impacted them you could literally see something like like melting off of their bodies you could see their 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 faces literally changing in the moments like a they could breathe again Mm. there's a breath of relief being able to say these things and be heard and be felt um and yeah, I know from my experience in doing a lot of work uh, around shame, mm. it's absolutely freeing when we get to look at it and admit it to ourselves, one, but also when we get to do the work in connection and really like uh, share vulnerably with others. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's giving people permission to not wear that mask anymore. Precisely. And that mask was suffocating them, usually most of the time. You were just having an experience like that with Gabriel the other day. I didn't, I'm, I didn't even ask you the details, but you're like, oh, I got to say some things out loud that moved a huge amount of energy in my world. Oh, yeah, just like weird childhood experiences that you're like, I don't need to talk. I would never want to talk to anyone about this. Like, I'd never even want to say this out loud, but like, now that I said it out loud, like, I don't feel that weight anymore because I didn't even realize, yeah. like, unconsciously, even though if I'm not thinking about it, that it's like, oh, I do have, like, what is a secret? You know what I mean? Like, I do have my little secrets. Nothing that I think are so intense that you even need to know about them because they're just so, they happen on subtle planes when you're a child and you experience things and you see things and you do things and, you know, just things that you're not proud of or you become ashamed to buy. And just like the life of a child who's navigating a world that is hypersexualized and you are just figuring that out and you maybe learn stuff too early or something like that. And, and, um, when you do that, though, I, I mean, I, I found like a huge lightness um, after that after that conversation because I'm like, shit, I just said that stuff out loud. And, and for a minute, and maybe you've experienced this too, I felt a lot of 
I, like for a week I had to integrate that experience because I was oh, almost yeah. like mad at him for like bringing this stuff out of me almost like he wanted it like he wanted my darkness and I was like who does he want my darkness why did he bring this out of me why is this now up in the surface I don't want to talk about this <laughs> darkness you know yeah it well I get that it's first of all there's the real reality of like vulnerability hangover and like having shared a lot is very freeing but it, it's also it's like purging in a ceremony like it's a lot of energy for the body so it's uncomfortable you know to let ourselves do that and to be seen especially um but yeah if, if somebody was uh in a space with you and like you were able to bring that out it's so easy to want to like project that discomfort that you're feeling onto them because mm-hmm. it, it kind of separates you from the the things that you just admitted instead of being with that you get to you know go into blame resentment whatever other things you choose yeah i I don't don't recommend it (laughs) yeah i i i I flew with that one i I rolled with it i was like i recognize what i'm doing but yeah yeah came up it was it was that week of uncomfortable uh integration that you're talking about yeah exactly I, i feel like the crazy thing is like everybody's bodies are in various and differing ways screaming out all the time like hey deal with this this shadow deal with this trauma you know deal with this taboo thing that that has become your life you know it's it's like our bodies in in form of 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 pain or or whatever our bodies are screaming out like deal with this just fucking deal with it and deal with it and i think because we're in a society that's so disconnected from like knowing how to really listen to the body and what it needs like we're just we compartmentalize like prescriptions yeah. or doctors or whatever it is tamp it down tamp it down tamp it down i can take a pill for this yeah. i need to not eat this certain thing i if i could just right. i went through a long process which you know Janeer, of being like well i can't eat this i can't eat that i have to be on this many supplements i'm supposed to spend this much a month on a doctor i have to like blah 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 and then like when i started to like really love myself and like you need yes. to purge and, and get and release <laughs> some things like and do some angelic yes. healing and stuff like i don't know you've worked a long time in the healing realm and all different uh, forms of that from nutrition to supplements to energetic work to angel work like I mean I know it's such a holistic thing but after doing like years of this all experience do you have any clarity now on on I mean I know not everyone has the same prescription but you know like where to start if you feel like your body's screaming out to you like whether it's like explosive acne and you're like I don't know why this is happening do I need Prozac or whatever or whatever it's called whatever maybe you'd need prozac but accutane i guess accutane yeah or whatever it is oh god Uh, i would (laughs) hope not i would hope i have very strong opinions about that medication and um any other medications but i mean what i'll say is that i have found that it's this is hard for me to say because i had such an extensive um background and career in nutrition but I just got to own it. The, the most profound healing and changes that I've seen have happened on an energetic and emotional level yeah, and have deeply impacted and transformed things on a physical level as a result. Like I've literally seen clients with eczema, with autoimmune conditions, with chronic fatigue, with digestive issues, you name it, heal all of that without having to change their diet or take a bunch of supplements. Mm-hmm. Does it happen every time? No, because the body is real and sometimes there's some stuff going on that needs to be uh, cleared out or, or supplemented, rebalanced, you know, it's real. It's not a, uh, like a, like you said, a, a formula. But I've seen, like, it's dramatic what I've seen. And what I know is that just dealing with the physical let's say if you have that ac- that explosive acne getting on the accutane well we know that just like kills everything and destroys your liver so it's not ideal but even if you were to get on natural supplements for that and they were to help clear your skin amazing but is that helping with the energetic causes emotional causes of why you got that acne as well is it helping with the stress that led to this in the first place is it you know, helping with the the other components, mm-hmm. not so much. Whereas I've seen the opposite to be true when you deal with an energetic and emotional, it does help the mm. physical immensely, mm. immensely. Um, 
so I would say start with like just getting curious and doing like some like reflecting whether that's through writing or sitting and like talking to and listening to the part of your body that's experiencing whatever symptom um, and, and asking like what do you want me to know like that is one of the most used questions that I, I have and offer in my coaching uh, is asking the body what do you want me to know you have to do a practice where you like actually get out of your head and, and you're really in your body and you feel connected to, to be able to hear that subconscious speak to you. It takes a little bit of work. So if you try to just ask it, your mind is just going to say a bunch of, bunch of crap. Um, but if you can do whatever you need, like move, dance, do some breath work, uh, whatever, and ground into that and you tune into that body part, it will, it's shocking what it will often, um, reveal to you i i it just it just sparked my memory of remembering you did a goddess circle that i went to and you had us all draw our vaginas and had, like wrote a bunch of things and like i i don't always remember this but when i think about it like i attribute like a huge shift energetically to like chronic issues i was having to like release because I was like telling my vagina, I love it. And I'm so grateful yes. for you. And I'm so grateful for all the fucking bullshit you put me through because it's made my have a cleaner diet and, and yep. care more and meet you. And like all the gifts that like having chronic issues has led me to and kind of the beauty of that and being able to like express and unearth some of that gratitude and love and stuff was so powerful. Um, I love that. I had no idea that you had that kind of experience from, from that session, from that goddess gathering. That's amazing. But yeah, that, that's another exercise, not just like ask, asking it and letting the, the body speak to you, but you speaking to that part of your body mm -hmm. and like affirming it, having gratitude for it, like really pouring positive energy back into that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because sometimes it's just like depleted and deficient uh, on an energetic level of that. Mm. yeah so yeah thank you so much janira this has like been so fun and i feel like we covered uh so much <laughs> yeah yeah we're down to do this anytime we love you you've been so important you've you've influenced our life in so many ways uh it's, it's just been incredible so i hope we get to keep having these conversations well uh, before we go is there anything else you are interested in sharing about this right now or that or anything you want to offer, how people could uh, learn more about what you offer, that sort of thing? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, well, uh, the number one thing I want to tell people is just like, slow down and feel, mm. especially before taking an action that has to do with, you know, these times that we're in, like slow down and really feel so that whatever action you choose to take, is embodied so that it really anchors into you and like causes um, a real impact like, on, a, on a soul level. That is number one, slow down and feel. And even if it's not about action, like if you're overwhelmed, you're having anxiety, you're having grief, rage, resentment, fear, whatever's coming up, slow down and feel that too. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, if you just slow down and feel it, what often happens is it passes, it clears through you and, and uh, there's like a lightness and clarity on the other side. So if there's anything that you take away, like <laughs> the, the, that, that is it. And then, uh, yeah, if you want to learn about these tools and practices we keep mentioning, I have a group called Deep Practice. Uh, we do some morning practice sessions that are like basically channeled. I, I connect with the people on the call and like check in to see where everybody's at and then, you know, dictate the practices so that they're relevant to what's coming up. And it's, it's everything from mindfulness to somatic emotional release, um, you know, to centering the nervous system. It's, mm. it's so powerful. So, uh, and, and I'm adding many more components to it, like a community component of like women's group and connection. So it's feeling really good in there. Um, I'm actually doing, I don't know when this podcast is gonna be released. But, uh, Tonight or tomorrow. Okay, so yeah, so I'm doing a, a free call for women of color, a free practice session this, this Wednesday, um, which you'll be able to find on my website, JaneiraMartinez.com, or 
on, on my Instagram or Facebook. It's just my name. Um, cool. Yeah, or attend a fiery conversation and come like talk about some uncomfortable stuff and like work on releasing that shame and connecting around it. Mm. And really getting vulnerable with other people. That's, that's where it's at. Mm. Thanks again. Thank you, Janera. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'll follow up with you after this, so we'll talk soon. All right. Have a good one. Peace Bye. Peace and love.